Hello, and welcome to Sobercast. We provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in a podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Also, if you're a member of NA or have friends that are, please tell them about our other podcast, NAPOD. NAPOD features NA speakers and workshops in the same format as Sobercast. We upload a new speaker every day, and it's easy to subscribe by searching for NAPOD, N-A-P-O-D, all one word, on any podcast player app, or go to NAPOD.XYZ if you'd like to listen online. Hope you enjoy the podcast and have a great day. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Joe C. from San Diego, California. Hi, everybody. Joe Carlick. I want to smoke really bad because you guys don't want to smoke in here. Wow, this is cool. This is really cool. Thanks. Uh, what is it? Chris asked me to come up here, and Jim picking me up at the airport. You guys clap everything here. It's just like, God, they're going to, yeah, my God. Newcomer Jim just had a ball movement. Yay! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> ah, yay. I, um, I'm nervous as hell. I don't know why. I just, I, I, I don't like doing this. I think that's why Chris asked me to come up here, because I just get nervous, and, but I, I absolutely love motorcycles and leather, and I'm just like, I was thrilled to see all you guys pull up tonight, and just, you could just sit out there and run those motors, and I'd be happy here. <sighs> wow. <laughs> you clap, yeah. You know, uh, this is really cool. I love, I love Alcoholics Anonymous with a passion. I really do. And I think this, this I felt it when I walked in here tonight. People have a, a passion for AA. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what we share here. And if you're, like, like Paul was saying, if you're new or you're not so new or you've been around here for a couple of years and you're feeling kind of blue, you know, it's not AA's fault. I'm telling you that. It's AA has given me a life that Bill Wilson calls is indescribably wonderful. Uh, I've been sober since January 1st of 1989. I took my last drink on uh, New Year's Eve in 1988. Didn't know it was my last drink. And uh, it's almost going to be 17 years in a couple of months. And um, since, since I took that last drink up until this very moment, my life has been so full of wonders. You know, it's just really, uh, as we call it, uh, I'm from Boston, if you ain't figured it out already. So it's, uh, um, we, we use a term called pissa. It's a wicked pissa. You know, and I think sobriety for me is really wicked pissa. It's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's given me, it's given me a life, you know, it hasn't given me any riches at all, except it's given me back the dignity and the soul that I lost a long time ago. And if you're in here for anything other than that, you're going to be terribly disappointed. And I think that's why people think AA doesn't work very well, because you don't get the money, you don't get the girl, you don't get the guy, you don't get the big car, you don't get the big house. You don't get the things that other people have that they probably got because they started working for a living, you know. <laughs> I remember when I was first sober, I was like about a year and a half sober, and I was whining to my sponsor, I can't get nothing, I can't pay the rent, and he says, why don't you go out and get a goddamn job, you loser, you know. And it was really weird. It was just so, it was so true. No, no. I, I, years ago, I was trained to be a deep sea, hot hat, underwater welder. You know, and uh, and and God damn it, I'm going to be a deep sea diver if it's going to kill me. And I I couldn't get a job for nothing. 
couldn't get a job for nothing. And I remember he just, he says, I want you to go get a job. You need to work eight hours a day. I don't care how much money you're making. You just need to stop, stop thinking so much. And it was just crazy. And I was so pissed off at him all the time. It's absolutely true. You know, I, I have told that story to other people who come to me with that whiny little, man, I can't get this, I need that, I want this. And then I say, won't you get a job? Well, nobody wants to hire me. I don't want you to go apply. I haven't got the time. Why don't you have it? It's just like crazy. <laughs> you know, we're just like, we're, we're, we're just, just we're, we manufacture our own misery, it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are the manufacturers of our own misery. If you've never read the big book, it's a fabulous book. It's a fabulous, it's full of action verbs. I love that term. I don't know why. I just like I, I took an English class years ago, and, and uh, they, they said you, if you want to write well, you use action verbs. You know, not like words that end in ing, whining. You know, all that sort of stuff. It's like these like you want to you got to take action, and that's what AA. If you ever heard any of the, the big shot speakers around here, they says action is what it is. Action will get you the things that you you that that you you can't even imagine. I just spent. A couple of weeks ago, I just spent a week down in the Caribbean running away from Hurricane Wilma for a whole week on a cruise. And it was my first cruise, and it was just uh, it was a bunch of, with a bunch of AA people. And it, God, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And we were just my buddy Paul is here, and, and he's, he's one of the first people that I actually connected with when I first got sober a long time ago. When I, could, when I came into the rooms, and I know there's probably about five people stood up as newcomers. I know there's a lot more than that in here. I know that because when I came to AA, I did not stand up. I didn't want nobody to know that I was new. I didn't want nothing. I just came into the room, and I sat there like this, just pissed off. I want a drink, you know, and you people are happy. Yeah, rah, rah, rah. It was just, oh, it was awful. And I remember it was like the first night I met Paul, he just, we talked. We talked. AA is full of talkers. That's what we do. We share our story in a general way, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. A lot of people I hear in AA get up and say what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. For me, it's a little pet peeve. Because it doesn't say that in the book. When you start talking about it, you're talking about the material malady. And material malady is not what we're here for. When you're talking about you and I and we, we're talking about the spiritual malady. This is what I came in here, a spirit that was just, that just maladjusted in full flight from reality. That's the way I came in here. And I stayed that way for a long time in AA because I was afraid. And I don't like speaking because I'm afraid. I don't like to have to expose myself because I'm afraid. But every time I do, every single time I do, whether it's at a big podium, whether it's at a meeting with two other people, I feel fulfilled. Something happens. The first line in the 12th step in the 12 and 12 says, I forget. <laughs> Where's the book? The joy of living is our code, but action is the key word. Milton Merrill Edward Joseph Giveson, God rest his soul, every Sunday morning at the Pathfinder Cedar Street Men's Meeting, used to get up. He had about 42 years, 45 years sober when he died a couple of years ago. He used to say that every single time he shared. Joy of living is our code and action is his key word. It was a mantra for me. for the It still is, I believe. The action is what I didn't want. I want you guys to give me sobriety. I don't want to like have to take any steps. I don't want to have to do things. I don't want to have to live happy, joyous, and free. I want you to give me that. I want AA to be Christmas. And I hate Christmas. All right? So I have like this paradox going on in my head. You know what I mean? 
you know, I never, when I was a kid, I grew up in, in, in Boston area with five other brothers, Irish Catholic family, and uh, my dad died when I was 13 years old. I found him dead in bed at 13 years old. I was delivering the papers about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I walked into his room, and he was dead. Uh, and God bless him, you know, I remember that I could not get the picture of his feet hanging over the edge of that bed for an awfully long time, an awfully long time. And, and when I was growing up, I mean, if I was to sit in a psychiatrist's office on a couch, I could go on and on about, oh, how I was mistreated and all that stuff. You know, but I was just a selfish and sensitive little SOB. But I was always wondering why I didn't get the things that Jerry got, my other brother. Well, why does Brian have all the good looks? Why is Brian so athletic? You know, why is Kevin so smart? Why can John read so well? You know, why is Philip Philip, you know? It was like, you know, and, and, and I was always... I didn't know this until I got sober that I was always thinking about what other people were thinking about, but they weren't thinking about me the way I was thinking about them, because I'm always thinking about what you're thinking about me. And I'm doing it right now. <laughs> this is really weird. Everybody's like looking at me, and I hate being looked at. It's like, oh, I want to hide. <laughs> and then I got the two DJs over here. I want to see them like doing a little... See, let's go, baby. Let's go. Get a little rhythm going here, you know. This is cool. What's he listening to? He's not listening to me. He's probably listening to somebody else but me, you know. That's what I know he is. He's probably listening to Clancy over there, you know. He's not listening to me. <laughs> My head just goes crazy. I'm going, yeah, sure, yeah, you're listening, yeah. But I love sobriety. God, do I love sobriety. And you know what? What's weird about it? I think I'm kind of balanced now because I love drinking. God, did I love drinking. Right up until that last drink, 11.30, New Year's Eve, Miller Lite, quarter of an ounce of bottle, quarter, there was a quarter bit of beer in it, the end of it, that was it, didn't know it was my last drink. Did not know it was my last drink. What had happened was, this was in San Diego too, what had happened about two months before that, I was, uh, I attended bar in Boston for years, and I was the most miserable human being, absolutely miserable. And the bars I attended bar at, people used to pack to come in to see me, because I was so miserable, and so, and so, like, so caustic, and so antagonistic, and just, I loved it. It gave me a feeling of power. But you took me from the other side of that bar, God, I was a scared little kid. I was, I used to shut people off just because I was tough. You know, I'm not tough. You're shut off. Get out. 86, the You know, and then I'd be, like, walking around the city of Boston going, Jesus, I wonder if there's anybody I shut off out here. Because they're out to kill me. You know, it's just like it would, it would never stop. So I used to go to, like, Puerto Rican bars and black bars in the black neighborhoods and the Puerto Rican neighborhoods in Boston. I would just, like, I would just sit there because they didn't like us. I would just sit there, you know, and just drink. Drink Absolute on the rocks. And Beck's beer. We don't have Beck's. That's all I drink. I don't have a butt. The next week I would sit there for hours and bartender's tip just stupid. You know, you just like, God, you probably drink five dollars and leave twenty. It's just stupid, you know. So the next week I would go back, I'd be absolute in the rocks and a back beer, you know. You know, and uh, it was just um I was so scared. I was so scared all the time. And when I got when I got sober I was scared for a long time. Absolutely I couldn't look you in the eye. I couldn't come into a meeting and shake hands. I hated it. Still kinda of hate it. I still kinda of go through the receiving line, oh, don't touch me, you know, and Please touch me, hug me, you know. No, no, just that, you know. It really, it happens all the time, you know. But it's like, I believe that there's so much power in that receiving line. I call it the receiving line, in, that, in the gauntlet, whatever you want to call it, you know. It's like, there's something happens. Please, if you're new or if you're not so new, just don't avoid the line. 
shake the person's hand. The person's being of service. They probably hate it just as much as you hate it, just as much as I hate it. But, but something happens when there's a physical connection, physical connection, I think, when one alcoholic really touches another alcoholic and says, hello, how you doing? It's good to see you again. Little did you know that how they'd know me. Well, you're here last week. Oh, you were? I remember. Yeah, we, we spoke. I said, hi, Joe. Yeah, I, you know, oh, God. Something happens. Something happens. There's like a physical connection that helps you understand Alcoholics Anonymous a little bit more. That spiritual malady starts dissipating the more you get connected to Alcoholics Anonymous. Paul talked about service. Bruce talked about service. Is it Naomi or the other woman? Gosh, you were just you just you just lit up. You just the alarms went off when you got up here, just like excited. And I love that. I love that. You know, sobriety is really Tessa. And I hope if you're in here, you're not suffering from 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 the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that Bill Wilson talks about. Seemingly hopeless. Seemingly hopeless. Clancy talks about the perception. Same kind of stuff. We think we're, we're, we're never going to get what we want. We don't know what it is we want, but we've got to get it because other people have it. And please, I don't know what it is. And it's yourself. It's yourself. There's a great pamphlet. I didn't see it in the back of the room. It's called A Member's Eye View of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's one of my favorites because when I first got here, I couldn't read anything really. I couldn't absorb anything. I could read, but I couldn't absorb. I couldn't comprehend. It's just like... It kills me, and, 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 and I enjoy telling that story because I also enjoy this. When I was on the trip, Paul gave me this book of this guy named James Lee Burke, who I'm just in love with now. He gave me this book, and you give me a book that's big. You know, like when somebody gave me the big book, I said, Jesus, I can't read that. It's too big. And it was big, you know. And I, and I read this book on the trip, and I just, like, I get home, and I go on Amazon.com. I'll buy them all. I'll buy them all. You know, I just can't stop reading now. I just can't stop doing it. But... Remember that view of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's, it, it's just a, it's a man telling what Alcoholics Anonymous is to the professional community, and it's just it's it's written in such a way that it, I, I believe what we talk about sharing. It's about what, when we share, we're giving it away. We're giving it away. That's what AA is. We're giving it away. We're giving away everything. Everything. Just give it away. Just give it away. Why? Just give it away because it comes back twelvefold. Just crazy, some craziness. But it talks in some little paraphrased line in there about the, the, sooner or later, the, pe- some, the people in AA will, will, will have to sit down with their enemies and realize that there is only one enemy, and that enemy is themselves. That is the thing that we try to get rid of, the old ideas that have keep us, kept me in the bondage of self. I was scared to death in sobriety for a long time, and I ain't really scared to death anymore. I love life. It is, it is indescribably wonderful. And it's really weird I say that because I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm battling with a goofy disease right now that I just started some new medication and I'm a little weird. I just started it on Wednesday and, and it gets me kind of, you know, and I was like, really, I just want to fall asleep, you know. And we went to Effie's and I, I ate too much steak. And I just, now I got, I, I want to pee, I want to fart, I want to just like, I just want to fall asleep. I, I don't know what I want to do, you know. It's just, it's just, it's just oh, you know. My whole body is going, stop, please, you know. But um, I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> Probably because that's what I want to do, you know. Yeah, get the guys over here going. But anyway, I drank for a long time. I'll tell you what, when my dad died, I was 13 and, 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 and I was just a short, curly, Nasty, curly, he had pimple, kid, fake, fat, just, this, and I probably wasn't, you know what I'm saying? You know, my perception was like, I, I, 
the biggest joke I'll never forget about five years ago, Hippie Jim, who lived next door to me, came into my house. And he says, Joe, you don't have any mirrors in your house. Yeah. Why? I said, because I don't like looking at myself. And he goes, you're kidding. He says, how do you shave? I shave in the shower. He goes, wow. And it was really, you know, and I, he didn't pay no big attention to it. And I did. I go, God, that's really weird. My mother used to always say to me, Joe, you've got a face only a mother could love. <laughs> Maybe that was in jest. Maybe if I was on a psychiatrist's table, I'd be taking all sorts of, you know, psychotropic drugs to get over that uh, dilemma. But I was an ugly kid, you know. <laughs> but uh, I still, God, I don't like mirrors, you know. And uh, we were taking pictures at this cruise, and I'm just, it's funny how I don't like, oh, Jesus. You know, they tell me to stand this way. I want to go like this. I just want to don't. And, and, and that's like, that's almost 17 years sober, and I, now I'm really like, I want, I want that, that bit of self-respect back. And it's coming. It's coming slowly. It's coming surely, too. And, uh. But the drinking helped me get over that sort of stuff. The drinking helped me get over that, my dad's feet hanging over the, you know, and it wasn't like, it was just years into sobriety that I actually ever talked about it. It was really strange, you know. It was like, I never thought that was a big deal, but it was like, it was like I felt disconnected a long time ago. And alcohol connected me to the things that I didn't want to be connected with. You. And I took, when I took the last drink and I came into AA, AA disconnected me to the thing that connected me to you. And, and, and for the longest time, you know, I couldn't get it back. And if you read the a Vision for You in Alcoholics Anonymous in the big book, it talks about the fellowship that you crave is here. The things that you're craving is here. And that, that, that's here, and it really is me having to put my hand out at the receiving line and me having to go up to the newcomers and go, Bill, John, Joe, Mary, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here today. And they don't know that you're saying that, and they don't, they don't care and yet all of a sudden, the next week, when you go up to Bill, John, Joe, and Mary and say it again, something happens. There's a little sparkle in the eye. When I got off the plane tonight, we had a little miscommunication. I didn't know who was picking me up. And uh, um, Jim picked me up, but I didn't know it was going to be Jim. And I was looking for Chris. And I walked by Jim, and it was really funny. I mean, I went, Jesus Christ, this guy looks sober. You know, it's like, he's like this. We said hi to one another, you know, and then I went... Jesus, I don't want to go back to him and go, you, and then uh, so, so I stood there like a little lost kid, you know, and he comes up, are you Joe? I said, yeah, Joe Conroy, yeah, <laughs> oh, oh man, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah, that's what we do, when you're walking in here, we know, when you're walking out of here, we know, we want you to stay here, we want you to stay here so you can share your story, because we can't stay sober unless you share your story, don't ever think you can't share your story in AA. Don't ever think you can. A lot of people want to say, you can't talk about that in AA. You can't do that in AA. It's your story. Some people might not like it. So what? They can talk to their sponsor about it. You know, I've seen people leave Alcoholics Anonymous not get drunk. They get dead. They get dead because they, they were holding a secret that they were afraid. Usually the secret's not as huge as you think it is. God, it's not as huge... Well, 1997, I'm eight years sober, and I'm, in, I'm, I'm not really doing too good financially. I'm not doing too good physically. I'm not too good, too good emotionally, spiritually. I'm pooped down the tubes. My life was awful. I had quit my job. I got sick. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, eh, people I asked to sponsor me. I didn't want nothing to do with them. Please leave me alone. I can't. I can't. I got no time for nobody. And I had gone to the VA because I was a vet in. Um, Long story short, eight years sober, I got diagnosed with AIDS on my eighth birthday. 
You're diagnosed on the phone. Get a call. I'm like, I remember going to the Alcathon on New Year's Eve, and everybody's, Joe, how are you doing? Shut up. Shut up. Leave me alone. What's wrong? You know, <laughs> Paul came over, and he, he had, like, echinacea. He was giving me echinacea. People was giving me stuff. And God help us. I remember after I found out what was wrong with me, it was like, I'm looking, I finally read the bottle of echinacea, and it says not to be given to people with compromised immune systems. Yeah. So he's trying to kill me over here. <laughs> You know, but what happened was, I got, I, I, I'll never forget it, on, on New Year's Day, it was like the, this, this, this technician called me up from the VA, said, Mr. Conway, you've just tested positive for pneumocystis pneumonia, you need to get into the, the VA right away. And I hung up the phone, he said, oh my God. Hung up the phone, and I went over to Hippie Jim, who lived next door to me, I said, Hippie Jim, would you do me a favor? They called it pneumocystis canini pneumonia. I knew what it was, and I said, Jim, would you look up the word canini? Something like that, I don't know what it was. And he did. And it said, you know, uh, uh, pneumonia that affects people with compromised immune systems. And Jim looked up at it and he said, Charles, you know what that means? I said, yeah, this is weird. This is really weird. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go to the VA. And I called up this other guy that I was sponsoring who passed away from AIDS about five years ago. And I called him up. I said, you need to take me to the hospital. This is what's going on. He said, Ooh. So we went over to the hospital and then I called my sponsor from the hospital. And I said, bus, guess what? He went, Wow. I said, what am I going to do? He says, you're taking a cake Friday night at the men's meeting. I said, I'm dying over here. I can't do that. He says, you've got to. You've got to let go. He says, you're going to die if you don't let go. Alcoholics Anonymous teaches us to let go of everything. Absolutely. When you read how it works, it says we let go of our old ideas. It doesn't say maybe hold on to a little bit. It says absolutely. Absolute was my favorite vodka. <laughs> absolutely has become my favorite void, you know. Absolutely is surrender. That is the thing that will give you the life that Bill calls is indescribably wonderful. And that Friday night I go to the men's meeting and I was just like, I was really sick at the time. Like really sick. And I went to the men's meeting and I, and I stood there and, and what happened, I walked in, I'll never forget, it was like really kind of dramatic but not very like huge. And uh, um, I walked in and this guy, I think his name was Steve, came up he says, Joe, I haven't seen you in a while, you look terrible. And, uh, and, I, and I, I, he gave me a hug, and, I, and as he's giving me a hug, I told him like, like that. And, he, and, and then, you know, like, you know the, the men's meeting hug, it went, it went from this to, to, to this. He said, man, I love you. I love you, man. And I just like sat down. And, like, and, and he like told the guy next to him, and then they told the guy next to him, and, told the, and everybody just kind of turned and looked at him, you know. And... Uh, and I get up and, and I took the cake. And um, it was like, I, I talked about that, that I'm really afraid. I'm re I've been afraid all my life. I'm afraid right now. I was definitely afraid of being alone in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think the only way you can be alone is if you do not share that thing that you're afraid to be alone about. And uh, I stood up there and I told him. The, thing, the big thing was that I didn't want to tell him I was a fruitcake, that I was gay. And, 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 and it didn't make any difference at all to anybody. And, and when I shared that, and, and, and I just and, and, and I stood. Bill Wilson talks about being rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence. My fourth dimension of existence was money, power, prestige, boyfriends, girlfriends, money, car, house, big things, little things. It doesn't you know everything? I didn't want this. I didn't want the mirror. I didn't want that. And that's exactly what happens when you surrender and, and, and get shot into that fourth dimension of existence, which is right here and right now. That is it. 
that is it. If, if, if that, that, this, this moment is so precious. It can go so quick. Jesus, there's so many people that I've been, been hearing about, like, like just, just, you know, like, dying of unnatural causes. A lot of people down in San Diego lately, it's just like young kids that, you know, had gotten sober and then says, you know, I don't need AA anymore. And, and you know, they go out and they're dead. They're dead very quickly from car accidents. From, you know, nobody wants to say it's from alcoholism. They had a car accident. You know, or they have, you know, it's, alcoholism kills. It kills, and I don't want to kill no more. I don't want to, you know, I love being sober. My friend Ron Wynn used to say, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I hope it happens to you, too. And I used to sit there and go, what, Ron? What's the best thing? And he would say, being sober. I said, it's not for me. He says, Joe, it'll be for you. It'll get there. Somebody will tell you I'll share with you the key to the thing that you don't even know what you're afraid of. They'll give you the answer to the question you can't even ask. And it's happened. Every time I go to a meeting, it comes, my answers come from the people that I wouldn't even talk to. That's why I like AA so much. It's just a, it's a melting pot of whack jobs. You know, it's just that. Just, and and each, each and every one of them has the story. Rich Zinni, my, 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 Rich Zinni used to say, and probably everybody's heard it up there, I don't know, he says, he says you know, a sponsee has a nut, is a nut. A sponsee is a nut. And it's like a hexagonal nut on their head. And your sponsor has the wrench that fits that nut. And every once in a while you need to tighten it up a little bit, and every once in a while he needs to back it off a little bit. And, and I, for the longest time, I've used a lot of people in AA as sponsors. I've listened to their stories as sponsors, not telling me, but telling other people. I couldn't, I was so afraid that I couldn't really ask anybody to be a sponsor, but I would go to meetings. I remember Fat Richard down in Long Beach, just where I first started going to meetings. I used to go on a Friday night, and there would people be whining away about everything, and he would go, shut up! <laughs> you know, the guy that he said shut up to was like really just on the defensive, you know. And then he would say these most profound things after he said shut up. You know, like, shut up again, you know. <laughs> and, and then he would start sharing, and it was really weird. And I think a lot of people, it's got to be, because this is my experience, we, we steal things from people. Richard used to start sharing the answer or the solution to this guy's problem. This guy wasn't listening. This guy had no, he, he didn't want to hear it anymore. But this guy was. And I think that happens in AA all the time. I, I see it all the time. I hear people, I go to discussion meetings, and people will sit there and just puke all over the meeting, get up, and smoke, right? And while they're out there smoking, somebody has given them the solution to the problem that they puked all over the meeting for. They didn't get it. But the people that were there got it. They're the ones that will stay. You know? I hope if, if you're going to puke in a meeting, sit there to clean it up, at least. You know? Sit there and listen for the solution. The solution is your, your key, not the problem. We live in the problem. We want to. We, God, we've got so many problems. Jesus, oh, you don't know what's happening to me today. Oh, ba bo ba bo You pick up the phone and the sponsee, and the first thing out of their mouth is, no, please, not again. Oh, Christ, what now? Oh, you know, hey, geez, oh, geez. you just put the phone down and you start cooking up a, you know, a turkey dinner and they're, the phone is vibrating all over the place. Jesus Christ, almighty. You just want to tell, I wish we could tape them, you know, just tape. Are you recording me? Oh, no, 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 no. 
you want to just play it back to them. Because you know, this is not, this is first year, and then listen to this. God, help him. Thought that I was ever like that, you know. I wasn't. I didn't talk to anybody. I would just go home and want to go, you know, it was just crazy. I remember leaving meetings when I was first sober and going to bars. Not drinking, but I would go to a bar because I was more comfortable in a bar than I was in an AA meeting. What's wrong with that? You know, that's an old idea. I'm comfortable over here. I don't want to be, I don't want to go to AA. Why? Because, God damn it, the, brights, the lights are bright for one thing, you know. You know, people see you. People see you. And then I started using, the longer I got sober, stayed sober, I started using AA principles and traditions as a shield. I was like protecting myself from you. I started quoting pages, verse, you know, like, oh, save the world's on that pool. You know, people thought I was fabulous, you know, and I'm scared to death. And I'll never forget one night, I heard a guy share, he says, if you're using AA principles as a shield, stop. You gotta use them as a mirror. I don't like mirrors. It was it was classic. I think God gives us the message through other and I think I know. Use AA as principles as a mirror. And that's exactly what I have to do. I have to use these things to look at me all the time. I always want to look at you. I want to, you're just you're the cause of me, my misery, my discomfort. I don't have enough of anything. You gotta why don't please stop, listen, create, go. Ten step tells us to stop. Stop. Doesn't mean to poodle around for a long time, like kick the sand. It says stop. Ask God for help with this decision that you don't want to make. I don't want to do those things. I don't want God for an answer. I don't want that. The guy that 12-stepped me back in Boston, I'll never forget it, he said, Joe, I don't know if you're an alcoholic. I admitted to him that I had a problem with drink, that I might have had a little... Alcoholism, I don't know. He was an alcohol he was a sober alcoholic. If you're if you're new in here, don't talk to sober people. Don't talk to people that practice the principles in all their affairs, because they're gonna give you the solution like I'm talking about. And I told this guy I had a problem and he said, Joe, I don't know. He says, This is what I did, this is what happened to me. He says, There might come a time in your life when you're done with all this pain and misery, you ask God for help, you never have to have another drink as long as you live. It's crazy, you know. You know, and lo and behold, New Year's Day, 1989, God, I need help. <laughs> I haven't had a bad drink ever since then. I swear to God, I wish I could say it was like, like you know, Joe's arrived. I could come up here and get clapped for me if I came in, you know. But, it was <laughs> but you know, I, I, and it was just like, it was like, my God, I'm an alcoholic. With the words that I said on New Year's Day, I need help. That was it. There was no, nothing after that. There was nothing. I detoxed in my car for a week. And I went up to Santa Barbara, up to my brothers in Santa Barbara, and a guy up, another guy up there at the, at the, at the um, um, central office kind of, I don't know what he did to me. I don't know what he did to me. All he did was share. All he did was tell me his story for a little bit, and then he asked me to tell me what was going on. I don't know. What, I didn't have the understanding. I didn't know what it was. And I said, what do I do? He says, you go to AA meetings, Joe. Why don't you go to some speaker meetings? You're scared to death. He says, you know, there's a lot of discussion meetings. You're gonna, they'll spit you up. They'll eat you. You'll run away. You'll, you'll, you'll just go to some speaker meetings. Sit in the back. That's what I did. And I started listening to people. And every once in a while, I would laugh. You know, it's like that whole thing, you know, like, listen, listen to the head popping out of people's asses around here when they hear, like, oh, God, Jesus Christ, you know, you know what that guy said? I didn't even say nothing. <laughs> 
you know, people laughing at things that aren't even funny, and it's great. I love it. I like it. I like listening to listening. Listen, don't listen. Sometimes listen to the music in AA. Listen to the music that's going around in the background because there's like there's a rhythm in AA that's fascinating. It's coming from all different areas of life and colors and sound, and the rhythm helps me understand. The the music helped me stay here long enough to where I could understand the words that were being said. That's what it was, because the words were very different. There's a book called The Language of the Heart, and that's what AA calls this deal, The Language of the Heart. It's a great book. All it is is Bill Wilson's writings from, from, from day one up until just before he passed away. And it's just great fine writings. The Language of the Heart. That, to me, that's what the rhythm is, the rhythm in here. It's just, and then that language becomes part of me. It became part of me by talking to my sponsor when I didn't want to talk to him, by, by talking to friends when I didn't want to talk to him, by sharing at meetings when I didn't want to share, by, by showing up when I didn't want to show up, by what? By taking the action contrary, like Paul said, to my head. My head. My magic magnifying mind. Dr. Paul calls it the magic magnifying mind. I could take the tiniest, simplest, little thing blow it up into proportions that are so unmanageable that my life is full of fear, I can't be of real help to other people, I'm, I'm full of depression and misery, and, and, and all these things that talks about unmanageability on page 52 of the book. <laughs> That's what my life was like living with alcoholism. I don't want to live like that anymore. AA's steps are uh, they're, they're a set of principles, spiritual and in nature, that if practice is a way of life, will enable the sufferer to live happy, joyous, and free. Something like that. Or happily and usefully whole. Enable the sufferer. I didn't think I was suffering, but if you're suffering in AA, it's a miserable place to be. It really is. And it doesn't have to last very long. That's why I say the surrender, the surrender is such a key, key part of, of turning this thing over. You've got to turn it over to AA a lot. You've got to turn it over to a meeting a lot. Turn it over to your sponsor first. God, if you do that, that opens up this, this degree of honesty and trust. When one alcoholic can look another one in the eye and say, I've done this, I'm afraid, I'm ashamed. And I go, thank you for sharing. Did you harm anybody? Let's make this right. Make it right inside here. I didn't live that way all my life. I was absolutely... I was, just, I was just petrified. And after that, when I got diagnosed, I believe from that point that rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence up until right now, it's just been, it's just been great. Because I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Thank God for that. Thank God. Because if you're living for tomorrow, God, God, it's just you missed it. This was a beautiful day today. I left San Diego and it was beautiful. I got on the plane and I fell asleep. And I got off the plane and I said, Phew, this is great. I called mom this morning back in Boston. It was 36 and snowing. I'm going, oh my God, it's October. Why don't you come out here, I'd say. She oh, I don't want to come all the way that way. It's, oh, I can't. You know, God bless her, she's 86. You know, I'm like thinking, why don't you just jump on the plane, man? Come out here, you know, crazy. <laughs> she would, too. She's crazy. 86, she still works three days a week. She's a domestic. She came to this country from Ireland when she, as a domestic. She's still 86 years I'm talking to her. I says, where have you been all morning? She says, I just cleaned Mrs. O'Brien's house. I said, Jesus Christ. I can't even clean my own house. <laughs> well, how can you do that? I was taking a shower and going, I should clean this thing one of these days. Maybe I should invite Mom out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a good idea. She was good. You know, I, 
<laughs> God bless it. But, you know, it's just this, 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 the relationship I have with people because of what AA has helped me to relate with has been, I think, I think the greatest. I always wanted somebody to love me. I always wanted, I never, I always wanted to love. I always wanted something. I, if you had, if I could, if I did. And then I come into AA and I just like love living life on life's terms. Jesus. You know, this is it. If you're here for other than in sobriety, like I said before, you'll be disappointed. A lot of people, they, they, they go, wow, this is, you know, what is this? is this? I can't, this is it? You know, I'm five years sober. Jesus, is this it? I'm ten years sober. Yeah, yeah. Look at my little girl leading up here. I remember I sponsored her years ago down in San Diego. We were sitting in my house once, and she says, I want to go to school. I said, I'll go to school. I can't go. I'm not very bright. It's an old idea. Get rid of it. Go to, go to city college. I can't. You go down to city. Sign up for the honors program. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. Jesus, if somebody asked me that, I still don't know. Sign up for the honors program. Why? That's where all the smart people go. I'm not smart. I didn't tell you you weren't. Just sign up for the honors program. Little kids up here going to Mills College now. You know, I think there's, there's some dreams that happen in AA beyond your wildest. I started college in 1974. I'm not a smart learner. I'm not quick. God willing, I'm going to graduate from college <laughs> February 10th of next year. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I'm like, I, I, I can't get there fast enough. I wish I couldn't. It's been, what, 33 years or whatever, you know. But it's just like, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know what it is. You know, I remember, do I need a degree? I just, I don't know what I need. I need to, like, put a, I need to, I need to like, put a, an end to it. You know, like, give me the degree and give me this $100,000 that I've been looking for, you know, and let me go live happy, joy, and free, you know. But, I mean, it's just really weird. It's, I, there's so many people that have dreams that they are afraid to pursue. Not only are they afraid to pursue, they're afraid to tell people that's what they want to do. People will come up to me and go, you know, I want to play the tuba. So play the tuba. Oh, but I don't want it to. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ, my lips. I don't know what to do. The bowl is the tuba. And, you know, it's just like, you know, I want to learn how to fly. I want to, you know, I want, and all these things. You want to learn how to dance. We want to everything. And we're just so afraid to say those things. Fear is the evil and corroding thread. Uh, the fabric of our lives is shot through with it. Jesus, when Bill wrote that, he goes, what was he talking about, me? The fabric of our, it's like rests. Fear, the evil and corroding thread. God. And I sat in fear in AA for the longest time. It's just like, that fear is the thing that separates from me, me from you first. And I'm separated from you, I'm separated from God. That's what I did when I drank. I was afraid of everything. I'd go to the bar and I'd drink and I wasn't afraid anymore. And I couldn't get home because I was drunk. And I'd end up in sordid places, pathetic places, miserable places, doing awful things. And I would go, eh, eh, eh. And that morning that I, that I said, my God, I need help, I'm an alcoholic. All that experience that I had coming in here was, was just that. That was my experience. That's what I, that's, that's the, and no matter how far down the scale you go, you'll see how your experience can benefit the person that's, that, that is so afraid. 
and you start sharing, and people started sharing with me. They would start sharing their stories, and I would start sharing back, and I would start identifying, and I'd start laughing, I'd start crying, I'd start wondering, and then I'd start going, wow, this is a great deal. And I could have missed it. I could have missed it all if I had listened to my head. I could have missed it all. If I hadn't gone to that one meeting that the woman was standing up at the meeting and she was awful speaker, I hope, you know, I don't know if I, you know, just terrible. She was awful and I would sit there and judge. Jesus, will you shut up? (laughs) Shut up! And at that moment in my life, I was struggling with the God concept. I don't know if I really was struggling with the God concept. I wanted, like, I wanted mom's God. I wanted somebody else. I wanted, like, a really, I wanted, like, I wanted somebody's passionate. I wanted to be able, I I didn't know what I wanted. And then this woman said, if I haven't shared anything with you tonight, know that I struggled with God and I found out that that it's in the search for God that I find God. And I remember sitting next to my sponsor and I said, did you hear that? He said, what? Did you hear what she said? It's profound. And that was the answer to the question, the search for God. People talk about it's not the destination, it's the journey. It's true. The destination is usually very disappointing when you get there. But Jesus, the journey is fun. God is fun. You go everywhere. You get lost. How do I get out of here? I don't know. What do you do? Jesus, don't ever get lost in Boston. You know? Can you tell me how to get there? Nah, get out of here, you asshole. Rock of here. But I love that, you know? I love that. I love I live in downtown San Diego. We have a lot of visitors, you know, and people would you know like walking around with a map, you know, like lost. And I and, and, and I go, Hey, you guys need some help? I love that. And they, they go, What? You need some help? What are you looking for? Well, we're looking like, oh, it's right down the road here. Go to the right, go to the left. Great little restaurant over there. You share. AA gave me the ability to share whatever little thing somebody else has given me. And, they, and you sit there and they look you in the eye and you have this conversation that lasts maybe 10, 15 seconds. And you walk away and I Jesus, that felt good. You go back to the same miserable self, you know, like <laughs> looking for some other person. God, if I could just walk around, yeah, that's what I want. You, you know, you don't want to talk to the people that like live next door to you. God, I, you stupid loudmouth. You know, <laughs> want to go look for the people that you know you're going to run into the next couple of minutes. That's what I love. But but but, but AA, God, hey, it's like it's pissa. You know, it's just um, I don't drink anymore. And I live life like it's like it's my last. I, each moment really is like my last. It's just um, I don't know. I'm, I'm running out of things to say, and I just uh, it, because it's just like it's so it's so beautiful being sober. And I know a lot of people come to AA and they just want their slip signed. That's okay. You know, I remember my friend Rick. Jesus, he came here to get his slip signed, and he would sit here at meetings with me. Just I hate AA. I hate AA. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Little shit loves AA now. He's like sickening. He's like, shut up, Rick. Oh, did you see this? You know, it's just like we get, you know, when we get rid of that old selfish, self-centered self, and we start being a really other, other-centered person, people kind of attracted. That's what AA is attracted to. That second tradition, you know, there's one ultimate authority. It's not me. It's not anybody in here. It's, it's, but it's like, it's like that namaste, that Indian stuff. The God in me recognizes the God in you. That's what AA is. It's we, came, we come in here and we recognize each other's foibles. We recognize each other's insecurities. And we identify with those, those, those crazy, crazy old ideas. And we laugh at them and we embrace them. And then slowly we start chipping away at them and we let them go. And we're like, like, like that crazy story about 
the stupid guy that asked Michelangelo, how did you make that, David? How did you make David? And he says, I didn't make David. I chipped away the stones around David so David could come out. And that's what AA is. People chip away at this casing. Just, just like, don't touch me. How, please, somebody, somebody, you know, I want the fellowship of AA. Please embrace me. Blow, get away from me. It was just like crazy. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't that people were giving it to me. I started giving it to other people. And I started with the newcomers. I would walk up and say, it's good to see you. I saw you last week. Is everything okay? And, oh. And a conversation that lasted two or three seconds, I would walk away like I would walk away. You lost? You need some help? It was the same thing. The basic fundamental ideas in AA never change. Never changes. The, the, the Freudian complexes that AA gets smothered with, with you know, Jesus, maybe you need to concentrate on this side of your life, and maybe you work on this and take this to make yourself feel like this, rather than like do a fearless and thorough moral inventory. No. Admit when I'm wrong promptly? No. You know, make amends? No. You want to do those things. Stop? Ask God for help? No. Call your sponsor? Bullshit. <laughs> I don't need to do those things. I'm okay. I'm all right. <laughs> oh, Jesus, what's happening, you know? And I start getting out of that moment, and I'm getting into moments that aren't even happened, and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm starting manufacturing this life that's weird. It's weird. It's like, I got, to the, I got to the hotel, I was going to take a nap, and I put on HBO, and there was like a monster movie on HBO, and I was fascinated by it. I don't know what it was. What was it, Chris? It was, what? Alien versus Predator. Jesus, if that isn't like AA. I mean, I'm telling you. It was, it was just like my old self. It was just like, I came into AA, you know, and just like people shooting, and it's like, I'm like, that's me. That's me. I was just like fascinated by the drooling and the ah! oh, alien versus because I felt like an alien when I got here. Jesus, what are these people talking? Don't touch me. Don't hug me. God help it. I want to. I want to hug and be hugged and be loved and loved and speak the language of the heart. That God, it's different, but it's got that beat. You know, it's got the beat, and we could have missed it. I could have missed it all, but I haven't. So. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. When I was about five years sober, I, that last thing that just happened to me, I was at a meeting, Charlie down in San Diego was just, Charlie's about this big and about this wide and it's all muscle. Charlie talks like this. <laughs> and he, he just brings it everybody. And, and this is like when I started understanding. He was at the meeting and he, he stood up and everybody wanted to hear what Charlie had to say all the time. So his ego was really being fed. And he stood up and he was silent. He went like this. He said, did you guys hear that? And everybody said, we didn't hear anything. He said, that's the first time in my sobriety that my head stopped. And I, he, every, the whole room went... Because it was total experiential. It wasn't academic at all. I'm sitting there going, wow. Wow, you can get that in here? You can, like, stop this thing from going places you don't want to go in AA? And I'll tell you what, I don't know when it happened to me. But if you get to that moment, 
when, 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 nothing, when all you hear is nothing, <laughs> that, I believe, is like the greatest gift. And I think the only way you recognize that is working with other people. Because I don't recognize it in myself. If I'm just like going to AA and sucking this thing up and not giving it out to anybody else, I'm not going to get that gift of listening to the person go, and over time, over a long period of time, usually, they go, Joe, how are you doing? Or they, they pick up the phone and there's like, there's a smile on the other side of the phone. That's like, that's when I got, that's when I get that. I don't know if that makes any sense. And that's, that's a gift. That's a huge gift for a guy like me. It's a huge, huge gift. And the gift of sobriety, the gift of love, the joy of living. God dang. It's great. It's, it's, um, but, but the action that I have to take to feel the way I'm feeling right now is so contrary to the way I think. Chris says, Joe, would you come up to San Jose and tell your story? I said, Jesus Christ, on a Saturday, I'd like to take a ride on my motorcycle out to Julian. I'd like to go out to the desert. I'd like to get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. I don't have to know. I know that there might be 312 people in here tonight. 311 might not give a crap about me, but there might be one other person in this room that needed to hear what I had to say. I don't know. I don't even care. don't even care whether you like me or not. But there's something that happens when I'm one alcoholic, shares with another alcoholic. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be me. It could be the people that were standing out there reading your hand. It could be the guys giving the books away, the tapers. It could be the people smoking. If it could be the person telling the story next to the person next to you when you're not even talking to anybody, when one alcoholic is sharing with another alcoholic, something happens. And I think that's the grace of God. I do. I don't understand God. I don't have to understand God. It's the search. And the search for me is going to meetings. Search for me is like uncovering and discovering, discarding my old ideas and exposing myself to you, to my sponsor, and trust that you're not going to hurt me with the information that I give you. How simple is that? But trust me, I know that's a very difficult thing for people to do. And I hope that the meetings that you're going to give you the ability to expose your old ideas and give you new ideas. Because the old ideas will keep you in bondage of self. The new ideas will give you that life in the now, rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence. I want to thank you guys again for asking me to come up here. This is really cool. Like uh, Halloween weekend, big deal. You know, Saturday night, speaker meeting, big deal. Me speaking, big deal. But the people, your eyes, your gift, your soul, your joy, your laughter, it's just been, it's given me, it's given me another chance to go, wow, I like being sober. It's the best thing. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.